So we're going to do this, right? Well, we is me today. So let me just fill up my glass. Ah, uh, refreshment. And welcome to yet another episode of Music Cover to Covered. I am your host, Mike Venezia. And who the hell am I? I am nobody. I'm just a guy who loves music, always have and always will, and uh, just talking to people in the music industry throughout the years. I've met a bunch of people in the music industry, and most weeks or months that we're doing this podcast, I'll be joined by one or more of them. But uh, this one is going to be a little bit different. I'm actually... I'm actually taking on this podcast solo. This episode is just me until the very end where we're actually going to bring you a special double edition of This Song Sucks. Uh, we're actually probably going to forego the covered portion of this podcast because, um, frankly, it's kind of weird having a conversation with myself about a cover that's pretty awesome. Uh, so I may just kind of let that go for now. But today uh, we're going to have a double episode, a double helping of This Song Sucks with our first podcast guest, Mike Tobin. And when Mike was here for the first podcast, we actually put a lot of This Song Sucks content in the hopper. And that's because Mike really is the inspiration. Mike Tobin was the inspiration behind This Song Sucks. He has a, a very special way with words. He uses many of them, and uh, as I do, uh, ad nauseum. And um, basically, we, we, we recorded a bunch of these because, well, I mean, he's the king of all that. He's got such a great opinion and a great take on things and delivers it with such an even keel, I felt. I would be doing you listeners a disservice if I didn't put some of those in the can, have them ready to go for the future. And the future is nigh. So... Um, why just me this episode? Well, a couple of reasons. First off, it's been a really trying month or two here. Our last episode went live at the right at the beginning of October with uh, Frankie Sparkman from the band Sparkman. If you haven't listened to it, please check it out. It's pretty awesome. Frankie's a good dude. But the past month has been kind of stressful for a bunch of reasons, the least of which, or actually I should say the most of which, has been this upcoming thing you guys may have heard of here in the U.S. called the presidential election of 2020. You may have heard that that's happening. Uh, it seems to be uh, in the news a lot. Yeah, I'm being super sarcastic. This has been a very polarizing time in our country. Actually, the past four years seem to have been pretty polarizing in our country. But with all that said, I wanted to talk about this right at the top of the show. What I'm going to say is, is this, I am not going to talk about any specific set of politics. I am not going to tell you who I'm voting for, and I will tell you why. I will not tell you who you should vote for, and I will tell you why. But what I will definitively tell you to do is that if you are a U.S. citizen who is able to go out and vote on November 3rd or before, do it. Okay. Just get out and do it. Frankly, I don't care who you vote for. I care whether or not you vote. Okay? The the amount of people that actually have this ability, this this privilege and right to to vote for who they want to lead their country for the next 4 years that actually don't pay any attention to it or don't want to participate in it is frankly sickening. To me, at least. And again, this is my opinion. I think that you need to get out there and vote and exercise that right. There are a lot of places in this world where you cannot do that. This is a privilege. This is something that you are allowed to do. And you should consider yourself lucky to be able to do so. Get out and do it. Or fill out your ballot and drop it off. Uh, I'm recording this podcast very late on October 30th. So it's a little bit too late to mail it in or at least in most states, it's, it's too late to mail it in because it can only be postmarked over either Saturday or Monday. And there's a little bit too much going on right now uh, with uh, controversy regarding mail-in votes. So do yourself a favor, drive to a polling place and drop it off, do early voting or vote on November 3rd. Any one of those things, just do it, okay? Because here's the thing. 
I've come across too many people in this in this country that have complained about what happened. And I'll ask, and when I say what happened, I mean the outcome of the election. They may not have liked what happened in the election. And then, uh, like, their guy didn't win. And I'll say, well, did you vote? And they'll go, well, no. Well, then you have nothing to complain about, okay? Um, frankly, I think there's a little bit too much complaining in general about what occurs in elections. I understand why. I get it. Whether one side wins or the other side wins, there's always going to be somebody who's not happy. I totally understand that. And I totally get that you could be frustrated with that. If you went out and you voted, you did your part. You can vote once. You can't vote 500 times, but at least you did your part for yourself. Okay? So please, get out there and vote. Exercise that right. It is your right as U.S. citizens to do that. Now, on that note, um, there's a few things I do want to talk about. When you do vote, make sure you're voting your conscience. Okay. Again, I don't care who it is you're voting for. Just make sure your thoughts are your own. Okay. That is the most important thing. And your candidate may not win, but at least you could take solace in the fact that you voted your conscience. Okay. That is supremely important. What isn't important to me and to a lot of other people is trying to convince them that your vote is the way that they should vote or that you need to change their vote. Because guess what? They've already made up their mind 99 and 44 one hundredths percent of the time. Don't try to convince me that that's the best thing to do. All right. I am sick and tired of the 9 million mailers that I get every day from all these either local candidates, uh, uh, state candidates, national candidates. I, I like every time I open my mailbox, another tree died because I have all these flyers from all these politicians saying, vote for me because I am this and don't vote for this one. And I am this. And then that's followed up by the 9,000 spam calls that I get, uh, from all these volunteers saying, Oh, hi, is this Michael? Uh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, why don't you tell me who you are and I'll tell you whether or not I am who I am. Cause if I don't like what you have to say, I'm either hanging up or telling you my name is Rico Suave and you have the wrong number. One of the two, that's, what's going to happen. And frankly, it's probably going to happen anyway, <laughs> because I am sick and tired of all the spam calls. All right. All these, all, they're not even robo calls, which I guess I appreciate a little bit more because they're not robo calls. You know, it, it's just more difficult in so many ways to live my life when every time the phone rings, I'm like, oh, I have a call. I have no idea what this number is. And then I answer it and it's Petunia uh, calling on behalf of filling the party here, talking about filling the candidate here. I'm over it. I'm done with it. I'm done with that. I'm done with the mailers. I'm done with the Facebook ads, the social media ads, the TV ads. You know what? I'm going to make up my own damn mind and don't tell me who the fuck to vote for. This is my choice. I'm going to make up my own mind. Okay. I'm a human with half a brain, maybe less, all depending. I know how to read. Okay. What you should be telling people if you're a politician is not how bad somebody else is. You should be talking more about yourself and what good you can do. That's number one. Number two, you shouldn't be doing things in a way where it's sowing derision. All sides do this, right? This is not directed at any one political party. All sides do this and it sucks. And why does it suck? Because of this. When I was in retail, retail isn't necessarily always the most glamorous job and, and working, I was working in musical instrument, in, uh, musical instrument retail, Sometimes that could be even less glamorous. Yes, I got to deal with guitars all day, which was really cool. But a lot of times there were, you know, you have to deal with customers all day. And sometimes that can get really difficult to do because they say, well, I could just go to this store and they'll do this for me. And your first instinct is to be like, well, they suck, right? Because you want to get people on your side. What I learned was that 
the best medicine is is you know the, the the saying that you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. That's what I think more politicians should do. Personally, now that might be very hippy dippy or very you know the, the optimist in me looking at it that way. But I'll tell you something: I made more sales by talking positively about my store rather than negatively about their store. In fact, I try not to talk about the competition at all. <laughs> You know, and if I do, I'll give them a compliment. Yeah, those guys are cool. And what I'm going to do for you, though, is this. And we'll go from that angle because that's the best way to kind of go about it, in my opinion. And if you talk more positively about what it is that you are doing, okay, I think that sticks with people more. People will always remember the bad things that are done. If you have an incumbent or if you have a politician that is a candidate, the, the, the opposition candidate that have done bad things in the past, people will learn about them and people will remember. You don't need to keep reminding them about it. People always remember the bad shit, right? That sticks with them like, like a fucking fruitcake on Christmas follows you around for the next six months until you realize that it's become a brick or it was a brick to begin with. And then you finally throw it away, right? You only forget about it when you want to forget about it. And you will always remember it when you need to. So if you think about it, looking at things from a positive aspect is the best way to convince somebody else that they should vote for that person. Now, when it comes to peers, it's a different story. I don't give a shit who you're voting for. I don't want to hear about it. I want to go back to the days of when nobody talked about who they voted for. Those were awesome. You want to know why? Because you kept your friends. That was the best, right? It didn't matter who you voted for. You didn't wind up lining up on opposite sides of, of your respective, you know, county, town, whatever. And, and, and it, like it was dodgeball and just get all right, ready, go and just start throwing shit at each other. That's what it feels like it is now in the entire country. Right. I mean, I, I, I actually was, I hung out the other day with somebody, which was kind of rare to hang out with somebody during COVID as it was. And she told me, she's like, well, I can never date somebody who's a liberal. Like, okay. Now I had never said what, what side I fell on. And I will continue not to, because again, it's none of your business and it was none of hers. Um, but frankly, it just seemed kind of exclusionary. And I just kind of want to get to know somebody and I like the person. I don't necessarily, if I don't agree with their politics, it doesn't mean that they're bad. You know, nobody's going to agree with you hundred percent on everything. If you're looking for that, then buy a dog or buy a teddy bear, something like that. That's just going to be unconditional on absolutely everything. I don't want somebody in my life that's 100% for everything that I do. It's nice, it's complimentary, but I want them to do something different so I can learn from them. Maybe I can get something else out of it outside of just this hive mind. You never grow that way, ever, ever. And this is on both sides of the quote-unquote aisle, since it's really a binary system in this country, which I really wish there was a, a third party um, because you know, the, the, can't we all get along party essentially a, a group that just says, yeah, look, we'll just listen to everybody and find out what's right for all. You know, the problem is there is no one size fits all that, that just doesn't work. You're going to piss somebody off somewhere along the line. A great person who happens to be the owner of the company that I work for, for my day job said, you know, I, I'm only going to be able to satisfy 80% of the people. And then I'll go, you know, I'll find myself going for that other 20% and I'll get that 20%. But by getting that 20%, I'm going to piss off a different 20%. So I'll still wind up with the same 80-20, right? In this country, I wish it was that much of a split. Here, it's, it's very much a 50-50 proposition, again, because it's very binary. But now more than ever... This line is is crazy. I mean, I guess, you know, this coming Tuesday on November 3rd, after November 3rd, we'll, we'll see exactly where the country kind of lies, um, you know, on, on what side of the equation they may be favoring more. But that's also very temporary. And it lasts only as long 
as you can keep up the approval, right? This is why I say stop trying to convince people to vote a certain way if you're a peer. I understand people having passion for their candidate and wanting to support them. You have one vote. Make your vote count, okay? All I'm seeing these days, and it is no more evident than on social media, that the polarization is is just larger than it ever has been before. Now, I voted in a number of different elections over the past, whatever it is, however old I am, like, like 20, you know, past 20, 30 years or whatever it is since I've been able to vote. I've never seen anything more polarizing than last election kind of was bad. This election is way, way, way fucking worse. I'm done with it. I'm done with people hating each other because of their politics or fighting because of their politics or this and that just, it breaks up friendships, lifelong friendships, right? This is such absolute bullshit. This is worse than lending money to a friend and not getting paid back because like, that's like the instant way to lose a friendship, right? If you lend money to your friend and then like something goes wrong, uh, then like instantly they're not your friend. So, and even that could be somewhat forgiven because they could pay you back eventually, but not agreeing with somebody's politics never seems to come around. (laughs) So, you know, you have great friends and most people, I I don't know if they can actually get past it. Now, people that are listening to this are probably going, well, I can get past it. Maybe you can, but that's not what I'm seeing. You know, I, I just try to take a very midpoint position. I don't talk about it with anyone, right? What's the number one rule? What are you, two things you never discuss? religion and politics, right? Why? They're super polarizing and people are super passionate about it. So you avoid those at all costs. That is what you should do. Always just take the high road and don't even say anything about it. I have a friend that uh, recently I've been, I've been chatting with and, and this particular person is super passionate about, you know, their feelings. I'm not going to say, you know, the way that they're you know, what they're actually passionate about. But I will say in a political fashion, they are super duper passionate and I don't necessarily agree with their position, but I'm also not going to engage. And the reason why is because I happen to respect this person and I don't want to lose them as a friend in my life. It's not from being a wuss and not wanting to object. I absolutely don't agree with what they have to say, but that doesn't matter when it comes to us and our friendship. That's not what should matter. I let them say what they want to say. I just try not to let it bother me. You know, when it bothers me is when, like I mentioned before, if you're willing to exclude somebody out of your life because they are quote unquote, a liberal or quote unquote, a conservative, right? If they believe in God or if they're an atheist, you know what? There's room for fucking everyone and you can learn something from everyone. And personally, I think I'm a more open-minded person for feeling that way. Some people may say, well, you're just some sort of hippie, liberal piece of shit. Fine. Okay. Call me that. I never give you any indication as to what my politics were, which by the way, being a liberal or conservative is not a politics thing. That's more of a social issues thing. Uh, Politics is Republican or Democrat. That also gets lost in the shuffle because now, you know, more than ever, these things seem to be uh, uh, tied together, super tight. Meanwhile, I, I truly think that there's room for them to be mutually exclusive. There are things that I agree with maybe on both sides of the aisle when it comes to politics. And then as far as liberal and conservative, I may like both sides of it, or uh, maybe I don't, maybe I like one side more than the other, but that's diametrically quote unquote opposed to what my politics are in some sense. I think it should be mutually exclusive. I, If you want to tie them together, you totally can. But I don't think it's a bad idea to be like a Republican liberal or a conservative Democrat. You know, I I mean, because it depends on what your personal politics are and what your personal feelings are socially. That really dictates that a lot of people do tie them together. I totally get that. It just you're allowed to feel however you want to feel. You don't need to feel all of one thing or all of the other. Stop trying to tell people how to vote. What you should be telling people is simply vote, you know, just get out and do it. And your guy or gal may or may not win. But you know what? At least you had more people 
involved in the process. And really, isn't that what's most important to get people involved, right? But shut up about who it is that you're voting for, because I really don't give a fuck. It's not going to change the way I think. And frankly, you're not going to change the minds of people that have made up their mind already in this particular instance, because this is so polarizing and all you're doing is making it worse. And this is not directed at any one side. It's directed at both sides because both sides, meaning Republican and Democrat, are equally guilty of this nonsense. I mean, most of us have Facebook accounts, right? Instagram, I find to be, find to be in many ways, less politically bent, right? There's more, you know, uh, more of the influencers. So there's just more fashion on there, or there's, you know, more jokey type things, or yes, there, there's some people that post political type things. I totally get that. I totally see that, but it is far less than say Facebook or Twitter. Now, Twitter, I avoid like the plague. You know, and again, that's a personal choice. I do have a Twitter account. I just don't use it because who cares what I have to say in in 280 characters? Nobody, right? I'd rather come on and have this show and this microphone, you know, doing this podcast and having you listen to a more fully fleshed out opinion because, you know, I'm decent with words, but sometimes you can't say enough in 280 characters. And then when I, when you see people start going and they do like 10 you know, 10 entries to get their point across, make a phone call, <laughs> you know, make a video, call somebody and tell somebody or make a video and just say, Hey, look, I made a video on this point. Please check it out. Really? Because now it just looks like you're, 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 you're stamping like a petulant child. So that's why I do not do Twitter. Okay. When it comes to Facebook, I use Facebook. You know what I post? I post food that I've made. I post music that I've made. I post pedals that I've purchased that I probably shouldn't have. And when I say pedals, I mean guitar pedals. And those of you that are guitar players know exactly what I'm talking about because there's always NGD, there's New Gear Day, and we always want to crow about it. And we want to show how stupid we were for making such an awesome impulse buy. <laughs> you know? Um, we, you know, I post things about Eddie Van Halen since he's passed away. I post things about this podcast. I post things that are very, uh, neutral and fun and of interest to me and what I feel my friends would be interested in. What I don't do is I don't post polarizing things apart from sports and music that I will say, because if I post something about go Yankees, fuck Tampa Bay, right? Because fuck the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, and I'm glad they lost to the Dodgers. So congratulations, Dodgers, though Justin Turner is a moron uh, for what he did. He got, and I'm still confused about that whole thing. As a quick aside, the guy gets diagnosed with COVID-19 in the middle of a game. That's just sort of weird. And then not only that, he goes out on the field after being diagnosed with COVID-19 and is sharing the experience and exposing his entire team yet again that he's already exposed. So that's just stupid. I don't care if you hate, you know, wearing a mask that you have to agree that that's just kind of dumb, right? So if I'm getting back to what I was saying, if I talk about the Yankees and I say, go Yankees, or if I say, fuck Tampa Bay, or if I say, go New York Jets, which would be stupid too, because the Jets just suck donkey dick right now. I mean, I could root for them. It's just in vain. Um, And if I say that your team sucks, well, it's all in good fun, right? It's about competition in a sporting sense. And come next week, guess what? It's another competition. When it comes to politics, this is something that happens. Yeah, there's votes every year, but politically, it's usually on a two-year or four-year cycle, sometimes a six-year cycle, depending on what office it is that you're holding. So, Um, when it comes to that, the polarization is amplified by a factor of 9 billion and it's impossible to avoid it. So I take it upon myself to, to make sure that when, what I am posting are things that not necessarily ingratiate people to me, but give a distraction from the everyday nonsense that is always happening on Facebook, on Twitter, or what's happening on the news or whatever. That's what Facebook used to be. Facebook 
specifically used to be something that would bring friends together that haven't seen each other in a long time. I thought it was great when I first joined like 12 years ago, whatever it was, I reconnected with friends from grade school, you know, like how awesome is that? Or being you know, being able to say, I just got friended by my favorite guitar player. You know, that's kind of cool, right? So all that is now lost because you're now bent out of shape because every time you go on Facebook, somebody who you're quote unquote friends with is posting something about, yeah, MAGA, go Trump or Biden Harris, you know, get, get Trump out of office. And it's like, just shut up. Okay. You're not going to change my mind. I'm glad that this is the way you feel. Things were a lot better when everybody just kept their mouth shut about their politics. I truly believe that. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that are going, fuck you, Mike. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I totally get that too. It's a free fucking country. You could do whatever you want. You could talk about whatever you want. You could put it wherever you want. I totally understand that. I just don't want to hear it. And I can't tell you how many people that are, you know, pro Biden or pro Trump or shall I say anti Biden or anti Trump that I've quote unquote snoozed on Facebook because you have that option to snooze somebody for 30 days. And then sometimes they'll pop back up in my feed and I go, holy shit, that month went by fast, right? It's just kind of surprising. Sometimes you're just like, whoa, okay. And then that kind of scares me a little bit because that means that this year, as much as it sucks is flying by and there's no relief in sight in a lot of ways. So, you know, I wish I knew when the end was that way I'd be okay with, with the months flying by. Anyway, that was again, a little bit of an aside. This dogfish head 120 minute IPA that I'm drinking right now is definitely hitting me. So, uh, that's why I'm going off on little tangents. This is 15.3% alcohol. This is awesome. And I've had this in my fridge now for a couple of months and it's aged really, really, really well. Thank you, Dogfish Head Brewery. Um, They're not sponsoring this, but if they want (laughs) to, I'd be all about it. And, you know, frankly, I'd just take a free six pack. Well, actually, Dogfish Head 120 minute comes in a four pack because literally it's like 40 bucks a four pack. I'm not even kidding. However, each beer you drink is the equivalent of like three standard beers. So I guess it sort of adds up to the same thing in the end if you did the math. But it just happens to taste a whole lot better. And watch, I'm going to take a sip right now. Hmm. That is quite delicious. So anyway, just to sum up why I went on this diatribe from the beginning, uh, for the first, you know, 30 minutes uh, of, of this episode of Music Cover to Covered, it's vote. Again, I don't care who you vote for. Make sure you absolutely go out and exercise your right to vote. It is your right. It's not a demand. You know, you're not, you're not obligated to do it, but if you don't do it, you're missing out on opportunity here because again, some countries in the world don't even have this opportunity. And I really think you should take advantage of it. So that's number one. Number two, stop talking about who you're voting for. It's nobody's fucking business. It really is. It should be held as sacred as, as your salary, right? You don't talk about how much money you make. I don't, I don't really understand it. That's like, uh, I don't want to talk about either one of them with anyone. <laughs> you know, you're not going to know how much money I make. I could tell you how much I'm making on this podcast though. Zero. Uh, I'm actually paying for this privilege, uh, of, 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 of having a podcast. I'm all right with that because this is fun, you know? And if anybody, any of my friends out there, if you want to be part of this podcast at any point, please shoot me an email uh, or text me or find me on Facebook or send us a message through Instagram or Facebook or just fucking subscribe to this and just support that way if you don't want to be part of it because I do want to get back to music stuff because really that means a lot. So anyway, again, make sure you vote. Make sure you keep your friends. Your friends are more important than, than what the next four years may hold for you. Because guess what? It'll change in another four years, every four years or every eight years, it seems to change. A friendship is for life. And that's the most important thing. Your friends are forever. Politicians come and go laws come and go. Things change. Your friends don't keep them closer to you than anything else, right? Friends and family forever. That's the way it should be. 
and I'm getting off my soapbox. Thank you. Now, on to the next thing. Uh, wow, I probably just, wow, I really just pinned my levels there. And I totally apologize to anybody who's listening and now their ears are blown out. I do have a compressor on, but maybe it's just not working all that well. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about next before we get to this song sucks, and we have a couple of doozies for you for this song sucks. I wanted to talk about something that was released. And again, I'm recording this on October 30th, 2020. I want to talk about something that was released today. And that is the new Mr. Bungle album called Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo. Okay, now Mr. Bungle, for me, is definitely one of the most influential bands in my life. And for those of you that may not know who Mr. Bungle is, Mr. Bungle, uh, over the years, has changed how many people are in the band Uh, what kind of musicians are in the band. But I could tell you this much. The three mainstays are Trace Bruins playing guitar, Trevor Dunn on bass, and one Mike Patton on vocals. And Mike Patton is uh, in about 9 million bands at any given time. But the most popular of those bands is Faith No More. He is the vocalist for Faith No More and has been for the past 31 years. And... Mike is super talented. The guy has one of the widest ranges, oops, one of the widest ranges in rock and roll or music period. Uh, I think it's something like five and a quarter octaves. I think it was measured. He actually has the widest vocal range of any vocalist. I think just above um, Rob Halford from Judas Priest and, and I think Axl Rose is just below him. So super wide range of vocal range, but it's beyond just the notes he can hit. It's the range of music that he can sing. He can go everything from screamo type craziness to, to almost operatic and is super talented. I mean, some of the other bands that, that he has, and I want to say he has because a lot of times these are his brain children, if you will. He has Tomahawk. Uh, he has Mondo Kane. He has Phantomas. And of course, Mr. Bungle. Now there's 900 other ones as well, but Mr. Bungle for me is my favorite project that Mike Patton has. This band started in high school. Like many musicians start bands in high school. I had a band in high school. It was called Oracle and we called ourselves, we called ourselves Orifice. And that was sort of a joking thing, but then it turned out that it wasn't joking because we sucked ass. So it was a very fitting name in a lot of ways. Sorry to all my friends that are listening to this, that were in that band at one time or another, but we sucked. Let's be honest. Anyway, they started their band in high school, but I'm going to pause there for a second. I'm going to fast forward to when Mike Patton was brought into Faith No More. Faith No More became super popular around 1989 and they had a singer before called Chuck Mosley and uh, took them through their, their first couple of albums. It was a a self-titled debut. And then there was an album called introduce yourself. And their third album was called the real thing. And that was where Mike Patton made his debut as vocalist. And the song Epic was a tremendous hit both on radio and on MTV when MTV actually played videos and it exploded everywhere. And I wound up being able to see faith no more back then. I actually saw them open up for, Billy Idol. Um, I remember there were tours with uh, with Voivod and Soundgarden. There's Voivod, Soundgarden, and Faith No More. Talk about a trio of bands that toured together, right? That's a pretty interesting tour that happened around in 1989, 1990. I wish I had been at that sh- at those shows, uh, but I wasn't, unfortunately, uh, for one reason or another. Um, but I digress. Anyway. Mr. Bungle, because of the popularity of Faith No More, wound up getting signed to Warner Brothers Records. And they put out their debut, I believe, in 1991. And it was a self-titled debut called Mr. Bungle. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. The album was produced by John Zorn, which uh, he's a very uh, experimental music uh, uh, person, very uh, very much involved in that community. Um, his project is that you may have heard of is called Naked City. And very experimental. He was a sax player, um, you know, musical genius. But I guess maybe if you want to say cut from the Frank Zappa cloth, but way, way weirder in about 9,000 ways. So they became super popular and they became 
known for being off the beaten path with their music. They had sax and 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 other horn players in the band. Uh, they would vacillate between circus music and heavy metal and and reggae style music and some interesting you know rap style vocals uh, and just all these really kind of strange jazz type movements. Uh, all and that was all on one album, and sometimes all in one song. Okay, that debut album is one of the best debut albums ever in my mind, and definitely one of the most influential to me. And then they followed up with Disco Volante, which was so off the beaten path, experimental that it really wasn't accessible to a lot of people. And frankly, I called it headache music because I couldn't get through the whole album without developing a migraine. Nowadays, looking back on it 25 years later, it's actually a really good record. And there's a lot of ingenuity there and a lot of innovation there. But when 25 years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I really couldn't absorb it. It was it was definitely something that I, I just I needed time to I needed these 25 years to really get. Uh, and then their third album was called California. And that was almost I guess for lack of a better term, their most straightforward album with songs uh, that that were written as songs. They had, you know, almost like pop song structure. And some of those songs went from, you know, laid back beach type tunes to doo-wop. I'm not even kidding. If you guys haven't heard these albums, there are I've never heard a band put out three albums that were so different from one another. Each one of those albums is so fantastically different from one another. People say that about Led Zeppelin, like, oh, if you hear this album, you'll hear this. And if you, yeah, it was still all rock and roll. These three albums are so different from one another, you almost can't characterize them. It's nuts. So listen to those three albums when you have an opportunity. They're all awesome. Fast forward 21 years, and we're in 2020 now, and they just released today raging wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. Now there's an ironic twist to that name, and that's the word demo. Their first demo that they actually made back in 1986 was Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. (laughs) But they didn't call it the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. They just called it the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. And it was five kids from Eureka, California, playing some of the most fast, thrashiest Bay Area thrash metal that you've ever heard. And these are all guys that were like 16, 17, 18 years old when they recorded this. The recording is so bad from that original demo, it sounds like it was recorded live on a boombox and then somebody recorded vocals on it later as an afterthought. The music was there, but you just really couldn't hear it because everything was just a blur and it was muddy. So I guess I don't know how they came up with the idea to put this out. Uh, I'm sure that there's going to be interviews that that say that with with Mike Patton, Trace Bruins and and Trevor Dunn um, to put out this this collection their early demos of of thrash albums and initially i thought oh they're going to find a way to remix this and put it out then i heard they're re-recording it and this was about a year ago i heard about this and then in february of this year they actually played like six shows live and i wondered well who was actually going to be in the band turns out that these songs were definitely like i mentioned it's like bay area thrash and it was totally influenced by bands at the time like slayer uh, Exodus, Testament, Death Angel, uh, some like ministry type stuff, uh, uh, SOD, Anthrax, uh, a lot of New York City hardcore is definitely in there for sure. There, there's a lot of different influence there, and it's all some of the thrashiest stuff that was around then and the most hardcore. It was definitely punk on steroids in a lot of ways. Funny enough, two guys that joined the band to do this project with Mike, Trey, and Trevor are Scott Ian from Anthrax and Dave Lombardo, formerly of Slayer. So it's it's sort of appropriate in a lot of ways. And when you listen to the album, and I do encourage you to do this, it is available on Apple Music right now, which is how I listen to it today. I did order my copy. I just haven't gotten it yet. But as I was on my daily jog, and yes, I jog, I have the body of a you know, lazy motherfucker, but I do jog every day. Uh, I listened to the entire album and I was absolutely blown away by it. Now, 
obviously in the 34 years since this was recorded back initially back in 1986, everybody's gotten better on their instruments. Okay. Now hearing it polished, it's great to hear the musicianship. What really sticks out for me is that these guys wrote these songs when they were 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're fucking fantastic. I mean, fantastic. If you are a fan of thrash metal at all, you definitely need to listen to this album. Now, granted, the, overarchingly, I, I will say that if there's a weak spot in all this, it would be the lyrics. But again, thinking about it, these lyrics were written when they were 16, 17, 18 years old. They do sound a little bit immature. All right. But that's okay. Because, I mean, when you think about it, a lot of lyrics in thrash metal really aren't all that developed. It's very much about death, destruction, and Satan. And religion is bad. Or, you know, religion is bad again. You know, things like that. Um, or death and and kill a sheep while it's having sex with your mother. Whatever it is, these are things that you hear in thrash metal routinely. You're not going to hear anything much different from the lyrics on this album. But really, what I was really taken back by were the riffs and the speed at which everything is played. And the people playing this, the youngest guy that was playing this, I believe, is 51. Okay, you got five guys in the band. The average age is probably like 54 or 55 years old. And they are laying it to waste. They are absolutely destroying every one of these songs. And when I say destroying, I mean that in the best possible way. Now, I am on a podcast that is on Apple Music and Google Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts and Spotify, and I can't play any of these songs for you. It is illegal for me to do so because it is not fair use. And I can't even do clips for the same reason because they could feel like I'm profiting from this. So that's why I'm talking about it. I would be playing clips from this if I possibly could I am not allowed to by law. If there's anybody out there who's willing to tell me that I'm wrong and explain why, I encourage it because I would really love to play music on this podcast, <laughs> but I can't. So with that said, um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the highlights that I find from this album. First thing that that definitely comes across to me is that it seems as if every song lives at 180 beats per minute and faster. Most of it's over 200 beats per minute. I mean, we're talking some of the fastest thrash metal that was out there at the time and now. I mean, it is super aggressive from that end of it. And people say, so it's super heavy. Um, no, I don't, I don't associate thrash with heavy. Thrash is different than heavy. Heavy metal is one thing. Thrash metal is a different animal. This is thrash. There are times when there's a couple of songs where there's some really, really heavy riffs but they're heavy riffs. It's not an overall arching heavy. It is thrash. Okay. Um, like I mentioned, the lyrics are a little bit more basic than you've come to know from a Mike Patton led outfit. But again, this, these were written, these songs were written as high school kids. So in a lot of ways it was ahead of its time. Uh, I don't know if I would put it on par with, you know, somebody who at 50 years old would write these lyrics. Now the music though is just fucking timeless. It's just so good. And even though, it's thrash metal that harkens back or is seems to be influenced by a lot of these Bay Area bands and, and New York City hardcore bands. It doesn't sound old. It sounds really, really fresh. I guess part of that is the the uh, the great production that are on this album uh, that's on this album. It sounds amazing. Like from a fidelity perspective, you can hear everything that's going on. And to me, that's super important. And I think these days it's important for a lot of people. It just sounds really, really good. As far as the songs go, um, it's a full boat. I believe it's all the songs that were on um, the original Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. Again, this is called Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo, which is ironic uh, because this is the actual album, the, like the official recording of it. Uh, I think there were eight songs on there and then they've added another four songs some of the songs were mr bungle songs but they also threw in an sod song <laughs> uh and they played around with it a little bit which is pretty funny uh but highlights for me uh the first song on the album is called grizzly adams and it's actually more of a, a classically influenced song if there's any way i can put it it's instrumental it's about three and a half minutes long 
and it starts off kind of mellow. It does have, you know, it's, it's sort of heavy part to it uh, as, as you get deeper into the song. The next song, though, is called Anarchy Up Your Ass. Now, the song title itself should tell you a little bit about, about the song, and it is anarchistic for sure, stylistically. It's, it's chunky. It's thrashy. It actually has a portion in it that the main riffs in the song are very reminiscent of the song Thieves by Ministry. However, this was recorded three years before, like the original version was recorded three years before the mind is a terrible thing to taste came out by ministry, which had thieves on it. So this was actually before ministry put out their version. Uh, and it sounds amazing, uh, because you know that these were high school kids that thought of this. It's chunky as fuck. It's fucking amazing. Uh, there's a song called mathematics, not mathematics, mathematics. Uh, the, the song is, is probably the quote unquote, heaviest song on the album because it's definitely more of a down um what's the word i'm looking for uh it's it's a little bit slower tempo it's a little more down tempo uh than the rest of the album okay but it's it's heavy it's definitely thick and the funny thing is being the bungle fan that i am and if you are mr bungle fan you'll hear this right away the couple of the main riffs from this song eventually found their way into the song love is a fist from the self-titled debut on Warner brothers records. So you'll pick that out fairly easily. I was running and I was like, wait a minute, I know that riff. That's the riff for love is a fist. So you can kind of hear where the future of Mr. Bungle was coming from in some of, some of these songs and how the, how this thrash and heavy metal influence made it into the evil circus music portion of their career. There's a song called Hypocrites and Habla Español o Muere. And it's uh, when I call it two titles, it's because there's a slash between Hypocrites and Habla Español o Muere. Um, Habla Español o Muere means speak Spanish or die. Okay. And that part of the song is essentially, and it, not essentially, it is speak English or die by SOD, but they just changed the chorus line, which was speak English or die and just made it habla español o muere or speak Spanish or die, depending on what part of the song you're in. And they could totally do that. Why? Cause Scott Ian wrote the song. So it's the same exact song, same exact lyrics, except they say speak Spanish or die. And I found it fucking hysterical hypocrites, which is the first portion actually interpolates la cucaracha. <laughs> and it's just really weird. And it is the most bungalesque part of the album in that sense that that sort of tongue-in-cheek humor weirdness that's definitely evident here and again it tells the story of what would happen later on now speak spanish or die wasn't on the original um uh, uh raging wrath demo that came out in 1986 obviously but it's really cool that they went and and embraced the other members uh uh, uh, participation or, or contributions to thrash metal that way. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, there's a racist, uh, which is a great title of a song. That's, that's again, uh, another chunky slice of, of, of heavy, just super thick song. And then uh, probably one of my, one of my favorite songs on the album is spreading the thighs of death. Great title for a song. I don't care who you are. That's a great title for a song. And it opens with a riff right out of the Testament songbook. Uh, it, it really does kind of sound a lot like practice what you preach. But again, this was put out or recorded four years before practice what you preach. So it's really cool to hear how, you know, they maybe it was sort of a hive mind mentality with a lot of the Bay Area thrash bands, but that, you know, and I'm not saying that Bungle influenced them. I'm sure they probably didn't. I'm sure none of the guys in Testament actually ever heard this demo. They, they, you know, it, it just, that sort of thinking is common, it seemed, in that area. They're all writing in that same sort of style. I find that to be kind of cool. It could be looked at as derivative. Then again, when you think about the chronology of it, Mr. Bungle did a lot of this before these thrash bands. So, it's a really cool slice of history that's been revisited 
it, God damn, I keep hitting the microphone. This fucking beer has my hands flying all over the place. I mean, I am Italian, uh, so I do talk with my hands a lot, and you can't see any of that on a podcast. I do apologize for any of these extraneous noises. It's happened like four or five times. I need another sip. Pardon me 10 seconds. All right, that was less than 10 seconds. Uh, and I appreciate your your pausing uh, uh, to to placate me as I... <clears throat> finished off that beer. Anyway, uh, back to the album. Uh, in the end, if I had to give it a rating on a scale of one to five, I would give it definitely 4.25 stars, right? Uh, you know, it's not a perfect album by any stretch because mainly because of the lyrics. Um, it's definitely, you know, again, a little more immature that way. It's different in the sense that you won't really hear Mike Patton being um, melodic. You know, you're very used to hearing Mike Patton, Mike Patton being very melodic with his vocals. This is shouting on 10 most of the time. And when he's not shouting on 10, he's shouting on nine. So don't come into it expecting that you're going to get like this, this vocal virtuosity that you've come to know from Mike Patton. This is very raw in that sense. Um, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I was just maybe expecting a little bit of that somewhere along the way, but, um, I understand why it's not there. So maybe that's why it lost an extra quarter star for me. I, the, the, you know, why it's 4.25. It's not necessarily a negative though. I mean, like I mentioned, this album lives in a thrash atmosphere. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt when it comes to his vocal, uh, contributions to the album's vocal performance on the album because it's supposed to fit a certain idiom. It was just my personal expectation of that. I was expecting to hear a little bit more out of him from from a stylistic or melodic standpoint overall. Again, your mileage is going to vary. Uh, and again, because of that, take that quarter star I removed with a grain of salt. In the end, though, this album is definitively mostly all killer and, and very little filler. I, I can't tell you how many times as I was, as I was listening to this today, how much I smiled just listening to this. And frankly, as I was running, I just found myself accelerating my, my pace as I ran almost to keep up with the music. And you just can't because it is fucking fast. It's a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways in this day of everything sort of being, you know, a, a single rhythm, you know, everything played to a click track and it's very sort of formulaic and very, very tight, which being tight in music is not necessarily a bad thing, but this was a collective breath of fresh air hearing them, you know, vary up tempos in the middle of a song and doing that thing that we've come to know and love from those Bay area thrash bands or those New York hardcore bands that, you know, you know, would go into a stomp into some like crazy mosh section and then back into a stomp. You're going to get a ton of that on this album. And again, I give this album 4.25 stars out of five. That is my personal review for Mr. Bungles raging wrath of the Easter bunny demo available on Ipecac records, which happens to be Mike Patton's record label. Now to conclude our programming, because I've yammered on a lot today, on this particular podcast, episode number four of Music Covered to Covered. I am here to bring you the finale for this episode, and that is two, not just one, but two entries into This Song Sucks, featuring yours truly and my good friend, Mike Tobin. This song sucks! And we are here again with Mike Tobin for our session of This Song Sucks. We got a couple that we're going to go through for you today, and they both happen to be Led Zeppelin songs. The theme today is Led Zeppelin, and both of these songs should have gone down like a lead balloon, I believe. So, Mike, why don't you call out yours and let's go. I'm going with Hot Dog. Hot Dog. Off In Through the Outdoor. I got that record, uh, I remember, from my aunt and uncle. And my 13-year-old self in 1979, uh, hearing that record, I was like, wow, you know, these these songs just sound, they're so big. I mean, I, I, there was just a lot to be said about Led Zeppelin at that point. And there's some of the songs are really progressive and heavy, and there's others that are pop and stuff. But I, and I guess I loved the 
the good songs on the record so much that hot dog just made me mad. <laughs> I mean, it made me mad. It was just like, and now, especially as a guitar player, it's literally like I said, it's like Jimmy Page has five thumbs on both hands. It's terrible. They're so far out of their element. And I realize that bands want to pay tribute to maybe music that they grew up on or they, they feel it was influential, but sometimes there's just not room for that. Yeah. There's no time for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if I guess if you're at the stature that Led Zeppelin was at that time, at that point, they'd have already reached, you know, Titanic status. They were on top of the world. Totally on top of the world. They were 10 years in at that point, 11 years in as a, as a band at that point. You know, I, I guess they felt they could do what the, whatever they wanted to do. It was the first album in a while. I think it was the first album since since Presence at, at that point, 1979, when it came out. You know, and they were playing Nebworth and, you know, uh, all those huge, you know, huge opportunities for them. And. Um, however, yeah, you're right. Like when you listen to the rest of that album, you have, you know, in the evening, great tune, great tune. The album is largely experimental beyond that. You know, like it feels like prog more progressive rock to me. I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily get that. I think a couple of songs are like, like we were talking about earlier, like Caruso Lombra, like that's definitely more of like a slightly off time sort of feel thing, even though it's like a four, four song, but it has that sort of dun dun and that thing going on. That's a little bit different, but you know, every song on that album sounds very different than the one before it, you know, like all my love and fool in the rain, which were two big hits off that album, you know, are probably the most alike um, as far as the, the sound goes, you know, they're both sort of, you know, love songs in a sense. One is definitely more positioned as a ballad. Uh, Fool in the Rain sort of has a little bit of that sort of like, you know, bumpy, almost slight reggae kind mm-hmm. of feel to it a yeah. little bit. But they're both bounce. It's got, both, some, bounce. got some, some bounce, but they're both sort of like poppy. Yeah. Both songs are de- mm-hmm. definitively yeah. poppy. And then Hot Dog, which should be called Shit Dog. Yeah. It's just terrible it's it's awful but it does do one thing it definitely shows that john paul jones was the most talented musician in that band because let's be honest fumble fingers aside for jimmy page take him out of the picture you know robert plant should not be singing country uh john bonham wasn't really bad but he probably should have been using brushes i guess you know because he had those you know massive wrists that you just whack down those gigantic marching sticks on uh, with, I should say. But John Paul Jones, the opening piano riff and all the piano in that song is top notch. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Mm -hmm. literally would not be out of place in Nashville. Yeah. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah, he can can definitely hang, um, you know, with some (laughs) serious players. But this song, it still sucks. It, I mean, it sucks. Be it, it sucks for so many reasons. It sucks because some of the guitar, it's there, it's out of time. It's like not even on time. Yeah. I mean, it's like the guitar gets so outside the box. <laughs> and I remember, I know that you know the part, the Zeppelin kind of ebbs and flows, right? With them being behind the beat and in front of the yeah. beat, and things just move around. So there's this movement feeling in the band. It's just bad. It's just it, it's bad. not good. It just it just doesn't. It doesn't fit. It has no purpose. It take. It doesn't do anything. But you're like, oh, here we are. Look, we can play some barroom rockabilly. And you're like, cool. Play it at Shakey's Pizza. <laughs> and they, you know what? They probably would. Like put on a straw hat. It's like that's not what I want from Led Zeppelin. Actually, I think if you go to the top ten songs played at Shakey's Pizza in the jukebox, Hot Dog is probably in the top five. Yeah. So. Well, I think they actually wrote it for Shakey's Pizza when Shakey's was trying to break into the hot dog market. Uh, and they were going to have a hot dog happy hour. Hot dog pizza. Right. You know, when the band would start playing all the, you know, the straw hat <laughs> ragtime music, they were going to also try and have a hot dog hour. And, they, and they commissioned Led Zeppelin to, to write. write a theme song for the Shakey's hot dog happy hour. <laughs> and it never happened. And so instead, for shame. Led, Led Zeppelin. And instead, Led Zeppelin was like, "We worked, but we worked so hard on this one. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, we're putting this on the album, bro. Yeah, we're keeping this one. And Shakey was like, Shakey was like, go ahead. This one stays, or you can go talk to Peter Grant. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is Led Zeppelin, Hot Dog from In Through the Outdoor, the first entry on today's. This, this song sucks. All right. So the now the second entry, and I picked this one, um, again, keeping with the Led Zeppelin thing. Now, look, don't 
get it wrong. I'm sure Mike is, and I know I am a huge Led Zeppelin fan. I mean, this is not taking anything away from them as an institution in classic rock or music in general. I mean, they did brilliant, awesome things. And Jimmy Page, for all his you know failures as a guitar player, because let's be honest, he, he, great writer, not so great uh, uh, a technician on the guitar, and, I'll, and in, I'm and I'm willing to let that go. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm fine with that. That's fine because it was part of the part of the charm, it's part of the vibe. Yeah, you know, part of the whole vibe of it. And frankly, his producing skills were top notch as mm-hmm. well. And having Eddie Kramer as the engineer, you know, getting the yeah, sound, lots of ideas, lots man. of great ideas, all that stuff. Considering all that and how brilliant he was in the studio, I cannot understand for the life of me why from the album presence. The song Candy Store Rock exists. Now, I'm glad we took some time actually to listen to this song before we talked about this, because Presence is an album that I, I didn't I have to admit I did not spend much time with. Um, See, I like it. I think it's great. But this song just is shit. I almost sometimes forget that, that they released it. I'm more familiar. <laughs> I'm more familiar with the concept of the object and the album cover. Than, than any of the material therein. I want an object candle. I think in my mind <laughs> that I always thought it was an album that was put out of stuff called... Like, I thought that album came out after In Through the Outdoor and was more like Coda in a way where it was just culled together studio scraps. Yeah, yeah. Thrown, like... It kind of does I, have that. I, I mean, there's no theme running through the album at all. That album that, just, that I will admit to. That album just fell into the into the donut hole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> here's this this great category, you know, this great catalog, and then all of a sudden, presence just it just disappeared in the donut hole, and then and then in through the outdoors on the other side, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then Coda, you know, has some some fun stuff on there. On it, yeah, yeah, some some. What is it? Bonzo's Mantra? Is Bonzo's that? Mantra. Yeah, that's fun to rock out. We're going to groove. Yeah. You know, great, great things on Coda for and, sure. And that all came from different time eras, right? Yeah. That, that Everything is just, from the That's late just cutting room floor yeah, crap, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so. Um, but, yeah, but Candy Store Rock, it, it, it starts and then where does it? just goes nowhere it, it doesn't go anywhere it just it goes on the wash rinse repeat cycle it, it just stays the rhythm changes but the tempo doesn't if well, that and makes it's sense it's got a good groove they just didn't take it anywhere no it just it's filler it literally sounds like album filler like it totally does. you had to have something better for four minutes laying around yeah there had to be something well again it goes back to things that we've said on on previous podcasts you could have just done 30 seconds of dead air and that probably would have made more of a statement or at least a better statement than this this nonsense that, you know, and I guess at the time, I, you know, look, that album was was recorded under a lot of stress from the band. I guess, you know, Robert Plant had a massive car accident and, you know, a lot of issues with, you know, um, uh, substance abuse during that time for, you know, a lot of people in the band and, and you know, just getting focus on, on getting it done. I guess in a yeah, lot of ways, probably was, a lot to deal with. Yeah. You know, but I mean, if we look at it like we did with, you know, in through the outdoor Achilles last stand, great song, hots on for nowhere, which is what hot dog probably should have been. Hots on for nowhere is a great song out of character for Led Zeppelin, but it's at least pulled off. Well, you know, I really like that song. Um, I know you don't like it, but I, I, I like uh, nobody's fault but mine. You know, I really think that's a cool song. I, I think it's, I think it's cool and I don't like I'm on the fence with that one. Cause when I think about it, sometimes I think, eh. but then I hear it and I'm like, eh. but it well, is better than candy store rock though. Oh, well, candy store rock is a nothing song. It's not, it, there's nothing there. It's a cool groove, but it's, it's like, it just doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. It, it really doesn't. And for me, that is why this song sucks because it really doesn't go anywhere. It, it's complete filler. It's just, we need another song. Okay. How about we do this? And then Robert plants, I take some rehashed fifties lyrics and like, like picked out. All right, we're going to take Oh baby baby from this song. And then we're going to pick out a line from this song. And then we're going to find another line that rhymed from that song in another song. And I'm just going to make up this schlocky lyric thing. And again, all respect to everybody in Led Zeppelin, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the podcast so you can yell at us about this. Um, but, you know, just both of these songs are just so not 
you know. However, I'm sure there are lots of fanboys and fangirls out there that just be like, everything they do is amazing. What's wrong with you? And I guess there's a place for that too. Yeah. Um, I'm just not on that boat. Yeah. So <laughs> not my favorite stuff, man. Well, great. So thank you again for uh, participating, Mike, in uh, this, this, uh, this episode of This, this Song Sucks. That's right. That is the end of This Song Sucks for this episode of Music Cover to Covered. I want to thank Mike Tobin for sitting in and doing even more This Song Sucks with us when he was here for episode one of Music Cover to Covered. That's why we're able to bring you these cool things. We have more from Mike that's actually in the can, and you'll get more from him in the future as well. I really think his perspective on this is pretty awesome, and I hope you guys agree. So again, This Song Sucks, this episode was Led Zeppelin, Hot Dog from In Through the Outdoor and also Led Zeppelin Candy Store Rock from the album Presence. Both of those albums are available on Atlantic Records. I'm sure you can find them on Apple Music and uh, other streaming services such as Spotify. Make sure that you are streaming these songs. So uh, even if the song sucks, you're getting them a couple of bucks while you're deciding for yourself. Actually, a couple of percentage of cents while you're deciding for yourself whether or not the song actually sucks. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Please make sure you get out and vote. If you listened all the way through to this, you know exactly what my feelings are on this. Uh, but I do hope you get out and vote. I hope everybody stays safe and is continuing to stay safe from the pandemic that is occurring out there. Maybe you heard that that's happening. My name is Mike Venezia signing off on music cover to covered for this episode, which we will call the November episode for now, unless I happen to find somebody that wants to do another one, then we'll call this the early November episode or late October, because I'm going to probably throw this out there on Halloween because I am motivated. Thanks again. We'll see you next time around. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on either Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or Amazon Music, whatever it's called. Thanks again. We'll see you next time around. 